We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 532 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Tuesday, March 21st, 2023. It is the first full day of spring, 2023. Although in the Washington, D.C. area, it hasn't exactly been feeling uh, like spring. But yeah, we on Monday at 524 p.m. Eastern had the spring equinox. Uh, We also on Monday had a new twist, a new turn in the saga that is the sale of the Commanders. Los Angeles Lakers legend Irvin Magic Johnson. He now (laughs) is a factor in all of this. Multiple reports on Monday afternoon and Monday night that NBA all-time great Magic Johnson has joined the group being led by Philadelphia 76ers managing partner and New Jersey Devils managing partner Josh Harris to buy the Commanders. It's funny how life can work. The man who owned the Redskins for years, the man who is the greatest owner in team history, Jack Ken Cook, aka JKC. Uh, He at one point owned the Lakers, right? Uh, Although he sold the Lakers in May 1979, uh, Magic's rookie NBA season was the 1979-1980 season. So they just missed each other. Uh, But here we are in 2023, and Magic may be about to become an owner of the Commanders. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. Somewhere, JKC must be smiling. Uh, Coming up shortly is a special guest, the man whose reporting broke this story of Magic Johnson joining the Josh Harris Group to buy the Commanders sports business insider, Evan Novi-Williams of Sportico. Uh, This is a podcast in which we speak with the newsmakers and newsbreakers, and we have another one coming up. Uh, Evan will give us insight on Magic's role in the Josh Harris Group, whether the group is in fact the favorite to buy the commanders, where things stand with Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, whether we could actually have the sale of the commanders wrapped up next week, as we next week have the NFL's annual league meeting, March 26th through the 29th 
in Phoenix, Arizona, and more. You know, we on Monday's show, episode 531, had a lot to sort through with all <laughs> that has been out there about the sale of the Commanders. And we got a deep dive on Jeff Bezos from author Brad Stone. We on this Tuesday show have sports business insider Evan Novi Williams of Sportico on the big news of Magic Johnson entering the fray. That is the sale of the Commanders. Boy, at this point, you can't predict anything <laughs> with this sale of the Commanders. Who knows who might be in the mix come Wednesday's show. Uh, additionally, next segment, uh, my thoughts on some breaking Commanders news from Monday night. Cam Sims gone. Multiple reports that Commanders unrestricted free agent receiver Cam Sims has agreed on a contract with the Las Vegas Raiders and Georgetown Basketball as a new head coach. Hoyas win! 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 Yes, sir, as the legendary radio voice of the Hoyas, the great Rich Fotkin, likes to say, but has not said often <laughs> in recent seasons, Hoyas win. Uh, the Hoyas, on Monday afternoon, they announced the hiring of Ed Cooley as their head coach, of him having been Providence's head coach for the last 12 seasons. And so I have another guest on this show for you, Hoyas insider Bobby Bancroft of Casual Hoya and the Associated Press. We are going to drill deep on the Hoyas hiring of Ed Cooley, and on some of the bigger picture issues with Georgetown basketball. If you are a Hoyas fan or observer, I promise you, you don't want to miss this. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Joe with a rebrand pitch to the next owner or owners of the commanders, writes Joe. I'm a proud listener of the Al Galdi podcast. I've followed you since your Team 980 days. Keep up the excellent work. Thank you, Joe. Continues, Joe. Al, in the summer of 2020, I accepted my dream job in Washington, D.C. I moved from Houston, Texas to Alexandria, Virginia, and finally got to live in what was Redskins country. I was so excited about the opportunity to finally attend Skins games at FedEx Field. I had been longing for the opportunity to live here in Virginia and attend Skins home games my whole life. I moved here at age 50. Despite my anger surrounding the rebrand to Washington football team, I decided to attend home games in 2021 because I wanted to check that off the bucket list. I had accepted WFT as our name. I could have lived with that. However, I absolutely hated the poor effort that went into the new name. I can think of several names that would have worked well so that we could have kept some of our old traditions. Al, I have no marketing or branding experience at all on my resume. My resume does not list used porta potties as a marketing picture backdrop, nor does my resume list marketed mugs with the wrong state, the state of Washington, in the background. I have a humble BS in mathematics, a minor in physics, and a master's degree in systems engineering. I could have led this rebranding effort, and in less than an hour, I could have produced several names that all of our fans would have accepted. Yes, the very insular, incompetent, and in Jason Wright, who you have called Jason wrong, really got it wrong. What was he doing for two years? The new ownership needs to rebrand immediately. Al, consider this as a potential rebrand name. The Washington Rappahannocks. Yes, Rappahannock. It is derived from an Algonquin word meaning river of quick rising tide. The name of a tribe, a county, and a river 
in Virginia. This is my marketing pitch for the name. No porta potties, no mugs with the state of Washington in the background, and no cheap wire mannequins from Dick's Sporting Goods. If you say Algonquin really fast, it almost sounds like Al Galdi. <laughs> Fans will be subliminally programmed to tune into the Al Galdi podcast, subscribe, give you a well-deserved five-star rating, and post a positive review like I did. Please keep up the excellent work. Our Alabama players will feel a connection to the name since it means rising tide. This is very close to roll tide. We can yell rise tide at games and get John Allen and Deron Payne fired up on fourth downs. Uh, We would get to restore the iconic HTTR moniker. The new owner or new owners could approach the Rappahannock leadership and build a solid relationship with that leadership using the same business model used between Florida State University and the Seminoles. Florida State University's official use of the seminal name slash brand is a great example of how this could be accomplished. The Al Galdi required one-syllable nickname would be the Knox, and all of this would help in getting a new stadium deal right here in Northern Virginia. Al, there is no doubt that this rebrand to Commanders was a complete failure. And a rebrand is needed to get the fan base back. I know that your podcast reaches so many listeners all over the world. Hopefully, this reaches the future owner or owners of the team. We desperately need to rebrand again. I love the way that Washington Rappahannocks sounds. It would be an honor if I could be a part of that effort and do the rebrand the right way. What say you, Al? Go Rappahannocks, rise tide, HTTR, go Knox. Thank you for the email, Joe. Well, what do we think? Out with commanders, in with Rappahannocks. Knox, for short. You know, that's actually not that bad. I mean, I have to let it marinate for a bit. But my instant reaction is that Rappahannocks, Knox, for short, not so bad. I also have to say this, though, (laughs) and I almost started cracking up reading that email. My man Joe, he came to the Washington, D.C. area in the summer of 2020, (laughs) excited to start attending Skins games. Boy, was he in for a surprise with all that happened with the Skins in the summer of 2020. Not exactly optimal timing. Uh, Email from Jack L. on the commander's new assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy writes Jack, Prior to Eric Bieniemy being on the Durskins radar and hired for several years, the constant praise of EB left the impression that he was the most qualified coach. Bill Walsh, Sean Payton, Joe Gibbs, and Sean McVay rolled into one, being denied a head coaching job. Though since EB's hire here, the impressions now are that EB was only Andy Reid's flunky had very little real input on the Chiefs' offense. The enemy's coaching ability is doubtful, and he had to take the Durskins offer or he would have been hat in hand in the unemployment line. Though I am exaggerating, to me, all of this shows that to the NFL world, the Durs are pond scum. I like the EB hire for two reasons. Number one, EB has to be better than Son of Norv, who had as much in-game situational awareness as Custer did of the actual number of warriors he would be facing at the Little Bighorn. And number two, it tells me that Ron has finally realized that only winning gets him job security and fan props, not changing 
the so-called team culture. Al, congratulations on your two-year podversary, and may you have many more successful years, which as good as you are, I am sure you will. Uh, well, thank you very much for that, Jack. Uh, I'm not so sure about me being good, but uh, I did enjoy Jack's exaggeration in the email. Actually, maybe Jack saying that I'm good was part <laughs> of the exaggeration. You know, one of the biggest things about the commander's hiring of Eric Bieniemy is that it is a mutual using scenario. It really is like a business transaction type hire. This hiring isn't about Eric Bieniemy always having wanted to coach for Washington. This hiring isn't about Eric Bieniemy necessarily loving how the commanders are positioned offensively. No, this hiring is about Eric Bieniemy using the commanders to get the NFL head coaching job that, for whatever reasons, has eluded him for years. And this hiring is about Ron Rivera trying to keep his job as commander's head coach of him having had a bad offense in each of his first three seasons as Washington head coach. Eric is using Ron. Ron is using Eric. And if things go as we want them to go, both guys will benefit and all of us as commander's fans will benefit. Well, your business or practice will benefit by advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Podcast advertising is very affordable, much more so than radio and television advertising. And in our current economy, podcast advertising is the way to go. And podcast advertising works. Get bang for your buck. Email us. See what we can do for you. The email address is the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Before we get to the first of our two special guests, sports business insider Evan Novi Williams of Sportico on NBA legend Magic Johnson joining a bid to buy the Commanders. Uh, we on Monday did have some Commanders free agency news. So the team on Monday afternoon officially announced the re-signing of unrestricted free agent defensive lineman F.A. Obata. Uh, it was last Wednesday afternoon, March 15th, right as the NFL's new league year was beginning at 4 p.m. Eastern, that we had multiple reports that Obata had agreed to re-sign with the Commanders. But then we on Monday night had multiple reports that Commanders unrestricted free agent receiver Cam Sims has agreed on a contract with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, so Cam is joining former Commanders offensive coordinator Scott Turner with the Raiders. So Scott now is the Raiders' pass game coordinator. Uh, the Commanders on March 3rd announced that they had signed unrestricted free agent receiver Marcus Kemp. And that did not seem to bode well for the Commanders keeping Cam. And sure enough, Cam now is gone. Uh, Cam Sims is going into his age 27 season. The Commanders last March re-signed Cam as an unrestricted free agent. Cam in the 2022 regular season did play in all 17 of the Commanders games, but he also played on just 27.56% of the team's offensive snaps, and he totaled a mere eight receptions. Uh, that's it. There just were not many snaps or targets for Cam, with the Commanders having a top three at receiver of Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dodson. Although Cam was a major factor on special teams, he did play on 52.93% of the Commanders' special team snaps. Uh, Washington, in March 2021, re-signed Cam as a restricted free agent. He, in the 2021 regular season, played in 14 of Washington's 17 games, but he totaled just 15 receptions. So Cam Sims, over the last two regular seasons totaled just 23 receptions. His talent 
seemingly always commanded that he should play more, but he, for various reasons during his tenure with Washington, did not play more, although he did make some big plays and he did have some big games. Uh, Cam, in the 2021 regular season, had a spectacular touchdown catch in the 27-20 loss to the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field in week 14 of the 2021 season, made an incredible touchdown catch over Cowboys receiver Trayvon Diggs for a third quarter, first and 10, 43-yard touchdown reception on a 50-50 ball from quarterback Taylor Heineke. The play initially was ruled an incompletion, but head coach Rod Rivera successfully challenged that initial ruling. Uh, Cam, in the 2020 regular season, played in all 16 of Washington's games, had 32 receptions for 477 yards and a touchdown on 48 targets. Uh, Cam in Washington's 23-20 loss to the New York Giants at FedEx Field in Week 9 of the 2020 season. Three receptions for 110 yards on four targets in a game in which we had both Kyle Allen and Alex Smith at quarterback for Washington. Uh, That was the game in which Kyle suffered a season-ending ankle injury. And then in perhaps Washington's greatest win in the 2020 season, the 23-17 win at the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week 13, Kim in that game five receptions for 92 yards on nine targets, including a tremendous fourth quarter, third and four, 29-yard reception on a one-armed catch with his right arm in uh, one of Alex Smith's best games at quarterback for Washington. And then Cam in the playoff game for Washington that season, the 31-23 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in the wildcard round of the playoffs. Had a really good thing going with Taylor Heineke. Seven receptions, for 104 yards on 13 targets. Now, Cam has had a penchant for drops, but, you know, he's a nice story. Uh, The Redskins signed Cam in the 2018 offseason as an undrafted free agent out of Alabama. He suffered a high ankle sprain in the Skins' win at the Arizona Cardinals in week one of the 2018 season. He spent the rest of the season on the reserve injured list. He, in 2019, was released in the cutdown to 53 and had multiple practice squad and active roster stints with the Skins. He, in 2020, was waived in the cutdown to 53, but then was signed to the practice squad, elevated to the active roster for each of Washington's first two games, and then promoted to the active roster on September 22nd. 2020. So this is a guy who has had to fight for his NFL life, but he has survived. So a salute to Cam Sims, who ended up being with Washington over five seasons. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, it was in January 2000 that we had the shocking development of the man who, to me, is the greatest player in NBA history, the GOAT, Michael Jordan, joining the Wizards as part owner and president of basketball operations. Might it be that we're about to have another NBA all-time great become part owner of another Washington team? As we wait and anticipate, <laughs> the commander is no longer being owned by Dan Snyder, who has owned the team since May 1999, we on Monday afternoon had quite the twist in this saga that is the sale of the Commanders. Sportico on Monday afternoon reported that Magic Johnson has joined the group being led by Philadelphia 76ers managing partner and New Jersey Devils managing partner Josh Harris to buy the Commanders. Uh, it was on March 9th that we had multiple reports that billionaire Mitchell Rails had joined Harris's group. Now we have learned that Magic Johnson has joined Harris's group. Reads the report from Sportico on Monday afternoon in part, quote, the former NBA star and notable sports investor was also part of Harris's failed bid for the NFL's Denver Broncos last year. He is providing both money and expertise to the commander's bid, said the people who were granted anonymity because the details are private. The group is one of a handful still in talks with current owner Dan Snyder. And quote, the report also has this, quote, after being relatively stagnant for the last few months, commander's negotiations have progressed over the last week, and it's possible a deal could be reached ahead of NFL owners meetings in Arizona at the end of the month. That would be welcome news across much of the league and among the owners of its other 31 franchises who have talked about the unprecedented step of forcing Snyder out. End quote. Joining us now on the Al Galdi podcast is one of the authors of this report, sports business insider Evan Novi Williams of Sportico. You can follow him on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. Evan, great to talk to you. Congrats on the big scoop. How are you? Thanks, Al. I am doing well. I think, uh, like you, I think all of us are getting fatigued about this story <laughs> right now and, and hoping that we may be close to a conclusion at some point. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. And you in your report do reference the conclusion of the sale of the commanders perhaps being imminent. I do want to get to that. Uh, but first, Magic Johnson, uh, you in the report do say that, quote, it's unclear how much capital Johnson is contributing to the group. And quote, that said, is your sense that Magic is a major factor in the group or that his is more a ceremonial presence? I, I think it's probably something in the middle. Magic has been a very successful businessman since he stopped playing basketball. But uh, to, to be a, a significant financial factor in the NFL, you need to be way better than a, a successful business, businessman. You need to be a billionaire. Uh, so he doesn't have the capital to, to really make a huge dent in this ownership group. What he does have is a tremendous amount of experience and clout in this industry. 
And and the easiest example is what he did with the Dodgers. When the Dodgers were for sale a decade ago, he joined that process relatively far along with the Guggenheim investors, a bunch of financiers that no one had ever heard of. And he became the face of the of the bid group and, and, and a face of the franchise to an extent. And that was extremely successful. He's a very likable guy. He's a very charismatic guy. A lot of people know who he is, which is not true of, of someone even like Josh Harris or, or Mitch Rails. So, so there's benefits to having someone like Matt in this group and again he's done it before he's an owner in the dodgers the la sparks lafc the, the mls club uh he is someone that has a lot of expertise uh, in this area in addition to being someone who's a great face of the group you're so right magic johnson really did become the face of that los angeles dodgers ownership group to a degree that was very disproportionate to his actual ownership stake he put in 50 million and that was a, a two billion dollar bid right so so that tells you right there essentially what the how big an impact he had given how small his stake was totally do you think that Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails are viewing Magic Johnson as the public face of their group it's it's so hard to tell um Josh has in his in what he's done in his portfolio he's never been the the big public face he's he's not that kind of owner i don't know as much about Mitch Rails so i don't know if 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 that's going to be part of his role. This has been a weird process, and you know because you've been covering it as well. It's it's not like a lot of these sale processes where, where there's very public ownership groups, and even sometimes they're talking publicly about their interest. The sale of the commanders, I think, because of what's happening with Dan uh, and the uncertainty about how much Dan actually wants to sell the team, has created this weird kind of quiet cone of silence type deal around this process. So, so it's kind of hard to tell. And I don't know if this bid group is successful, if Magic suddenly becomes a very prominent piece of the of the commander's ownership or if this is again someone he's tight with josh obviously he was he was he served this role to a degree in, in josh's bid for the broncos last year that was obviously unsuccessful so i think it remains to be seen exactly how involved he's going to be uh, but i do think there's definitely things you, you want to pick his brain and you want him to open some doors for you uh, along the way does the nfl look at celebrity ownership as desirable or does the nfl not really care about celebrity ownership? I think to a degree it's changing. I think the, the easy answer is the latter. I think the NFL does not care, right? That there are there are startups, there are smaller leagues that really do care and really want. MLS, I think, is a good example. MLS is really courting celebrity ownership, right? It's really valuable. Someone like Kevin Durant buying into the Philadelphia Union uh, exposes the union to a lot of people who might not know that team exists. The NFL does not have that problem. There, there's almost no celebrity in the U.S. that is going to raise awareness in America for uh, for the National Football League. So in some ways, I think the calculus is a little bit different. When the Broncos were for sale and sold last year, uh, Rob Walton, who, who bought that team, he brought in a few LPs even after the transaction happened, including uh, Condoleezza Rice and, and Lewis Hamilton, the F1 driver. So it's not as though there's no kind of prominent celebrity or, or big investor LPs that exist in the league, but it's definitely a different vibe than you get in almost any other league in America and any other league in the world. The feeling in the Washington, D.C. area is that this Josh Harris, Mitchell Rails, and I guess now Magic Johnson group uh, is the favorite to win the bidding for the commanders. Is that how you see things? I, it's, I, I think that's probably fair. In, in uh, The most likely scenario seems like that. Uh, the, the one caveat I would say there is you can make an argument that Jeff Bezos is the favorite here, right? The If everybody in the world wanted to buy this team, Jeff Bezos would buy it, right? So, so 
even if Josh Harris really wants it, he's not going to, he doesn't have the capacity and would not pay what Jeff does. So if Jeff is actually interested, I would, I would call him the favorite. That's the billion dollar, multi-billion dollar question. And, and, and it's shocking to me, at least that we don't have a firm answer on that at this point. I, I don't get the sense that there is a ton of other groups here in this conversation at this point, at the end of March with Dan Snyder. And, and the way I would envision this playing out is you get your best and final offer from the Harris group. You get your best and final from other groups, if there are any other groups at that point. And then I think someone calls Jeff Bezos and says, look, this is the number for you to do this. It's going to cost you this number plus $500 million. Um, we need a yes or a no. And I, I don't get the sense they're firmly at that stage yet. I don't think Jeff has been, from what I've heard, I don't think he's been all that involved in this process at all right now. So I, I think it's kind of hard to tell. But in terms of bid groups that are consistently there, that are raising money, as we're, we're talking about here with Magic, that, that, that are still in talks with Dan, I have not heard of another group that is in a better position right now than Josh's. We're talking with sports business insider Evan Novi williams of Sportico about the sale of the Commanders. So yeah, the role of Amazon founder Jeff Bezos in this bidding for the Commanders remains a mystery. The reporting had been that Dan Snyder was preventing Bezos from being in on the bidding. Are you hearing that Bezos is allowed to be in the bidding? I, I, yes. I Again, I think money talks here. I, I think if, if both Josh and, and Jeff said, well, I'm going to give you six million, six billion dollars. I think Dan would choose Josh. I think that seems very clear. But again, if if Josh is bidding six and and uh, Jeff Bezos is willing to go to six seven five, uh, I, yeah, I think that, that that team sells to Jeff Bezos. So it's kind of hard to tell. I, I know that there is not a great relationship between Dan and Jeff, and I do get a sense that if everything was the same, Dan would rather sell this to somebody else. But um, these are all businessmen and, and money is the currency of ego in some ways, right? And if, if you're going to go high enough and Jeff can go high enough if he wants to, uh, if you're willing to do that, I think Dan Snyder would be willing to sell this team to anybody. As you know, money talks. It talks very loudly. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about Jeff that. Jeff is very loud. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. So there's another aspect of your report that isn't getting as much attention, but I think it's pretty significant. Uh, quote, after being relatively stagnant for the last few months, commanders' negotiations have progressed over the last week, and it's possible a deal could be reached ahead of NFL owners' meetings in Arizona at the end of the month. And quote. So that has been kind of the like unofficial deadline for this of, hey, this thing might get done or at least agreed upon by the NFL's annual league meeting in late March in Arizona. For a while, it was feeling like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. But I guess from what you're hearing, no, there's at least a decent chance that could happen. I think it's certainly possible. The, the people that I've talked to in and around this process do say that there has been a bit more momentum in, in the past week. Uh, and, and the big caveat there, again, flash forward to a year ago when the Broncos were on the market, they wanted to get that sale done before this spring owners meeting as well. It did not happen. Uh, it stretched into, and I don't remember exactly when the Walton deal was announced, but it was June, July, maybe even been August, right? You want to get these deals done in the in the off season for obvious reasons. Um, and that was, a, was an easier sale process in some ways. And, and it took, again, m- months longer than expected. So we'll see exactly that. The, 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 the weird kind of 
issue hanging here is that this is what the NFL wants. They want this team to sell. They want this team to sell now. But the NFL is being very hands-off, from what I understand, with Dan. <laughs> they don't want to rock the boat. They don't want to do anything that is perceived on his end as, as applying pressure, at least not yet. Uh, and we'll see if in a month or two, if this team has not sold, how different that conversation is. But from what I understand, yes, everyone in the NFL wants this to happen. They want it to happen soon. Um, but I, I think at this point still, there's not a ton of pressure applied on the process as yet. The NFL's annual league meeting is taking place next week, March 26th through the 29th in Phoenix, Arizona. Could we at this league meeting get an actual vote from NFL owners to approve new ownership of the commanders? I think it's possible that we could move. I, look, the, the, the Dan's reputation inside the NFL is, is not good. That's, that's, a, that's an understatement. And I think when, when faced with the prospect of, of a deal being reached, to uh, to transfer ownership, especially if it's someone like Josh, who is an LP already in the NFL. He has a small stake of the of the Steelers, so he's already been through a vetting process of a sort to a degree with this with this same club. Yeah, I think there's a. I think I think the NFL would, would happily move fairly quickly again because you know, there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of goodwill right now between the league and, and Dan Snyder. Um, but but if we're talking Jeff Bezos or we're talking uh, Josh Harris, at least from my understanding of Josh Group. I think both of these groups are pretty, uh, pretty approvable from uh, from an NFL standpoint that they can do that fairly quickly. Josh Harris has a well, no pun intended, uh, of experience in terms of sports ownership, and not just him being the managing partner for the 76ers and Devils. He also has a stake in the Pittsburgh Steelers, as you said. Uh, he also owns a piece of the English soccer club Crystal Palace. Uh, what is the perception of Harris as a sports owner? Yeah, it's it's a it's a really good question, and and he for a lot of the sports assets that he owns, including uh, the Devils and the 76ers and the Prudential Center, uh, is a partner with David Blitzer, a Terrace Blitzer Sports and Entertainment, and I do think they kind of play off of each other uh, to a degree. You know, I mentioned this earlier. Josh is not the he's not the public. The, the, the public owner. He's not the guy that's going to do all the public meet and greets. He's never going to be Steve Ballmer. He's never going to be Mark Cuban. He's not going to be kind of that outward public guy, right? What he is, is a, uh, a very talented investor, a very talented strategic investor. And that I think is actually, it's, it's under, I don't think it's talked about as much as it maybe should be. It, it's, it's maybe his biggest Achilles heel in this whole process is that all the teams that sell sports teams that sell now sell at incredible premiums. Matt Ishbia bought the Phoenix Suns uh, and for $4 billion when I'm not sure if there was a, a bidder above $3 billion, right? Um, and Josh is not the type of investor that does that. He's not going to reach into his pocket and, and tack another $300 million onto it because that'll get the deal done faster. Uh, he was uh, the runner-up for the Mets when Steve Cohen bought the Mets. He was around a billion dollars shy of what Steve's number was. He, he was not all that particularly close from what I understand to the number that, that the Broncos sold for when he was part of the runner up groups in that process. And I think that is, that is kind of the, the, the concern always when I see his name attached to some of these bidding processes, it is Josh willing to spend to the premium willing to get the team. And again, I don't know how many Groups are, are, are left in this commander's process. I get the sense that there's not that many. Um, but that, I think, has always been the concern in some ways, is that Josh is a value investor. The, the, the asset is worth this, and, and that's what he's willing to pay. And in the way sports teams sell right now, that, that doesn't get the deal done nine and a half times out of ten. 
Terrific insight on Josh Harris. One more for you. So the NFL wants Dan Snyder out. Uh, That has become increasingly clear. But also clear is that uh, Dan is combative and unpredictable. If he ends up not selling the commanders, are the other 31 NFL ownership groups willing to vote Dan out? I think they would be willing to if they had to. You that's, think so? my, that's my sense, yeah. which I would not have said five months ago. Wow. Um, but I think, again, everyone's got their fingers crossed that, they, yeah. that they, they don't have to get to that point. Yeah, all of our fingers are crossed. Uh, meantime, uh, Dan Snyder's middle fingers are up in the air. But <laughs> anyway, excellent reporting from Sports Business Insider Evan Novi Williams of Sportico. Magic Johnson joining the Josh Harris bid to buy the Commanders. Evan, Thanks a lot and continued success. Thanks, Al. Appreciate it. Good stuff from Evan Novi Williams. Hope that you enjoyed that. Uh, if you did, uh, and if you have like 20 seconds, uh, please consider rating and reviewing this podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review doesn't have to be long. can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help out the podcast a lot. So thank you very much for doing them. Then the Georgetown men's basketball team. Forget about the success in the 1980s and 1990s with John Thompson Jr. as head coach. The Hoyas with John Thompson III as their head coach made the NCAA tournament eight times in 10 seasons from 2005-2006 through 2014-2015, including making the 2007 Final Four. But the Hoyas over the last eight seasons have made the NCAA tournament just once, and the Hoyas last two seasons have been horrendous. Uh, Georgetown in the 2021-2022 season went 6-25 overall and 0-20 in games in the Big East. Georgetown this season went 7-25 overall and 2-19 in games in the Big East. Uh, The Hoyas on March 9th fired Patrick Ewing as their head coach, and the Hoyas on Monday afternoon announced the hiring of Ed Cooley, as head coach. Uh, Ed Cooley is 53, and he can coach. Uh, He spent the last 12 seasons as Providence's head coach. He, over those 12 seasons, made the NCAA tournament in seven of the 11 seasons in which there were NCAA tournaments. Remember, no NCAA tournament in 2020 due to COVID. Uh, Cooley, over those seven NCAA tournament appearances, uh, did make just one Sweet 16 appearance, but his winning percentage as Providence head coach was 613, and his winning percentage as Providence head coach in Big East regular season games was 544. Uh, Also, Cooley led Providence to the 2014 Big East tournament title and to the 2021-2022 Big East regular season title. Uh, Him leaving Providence for Georgetown is significant. Ed Cooley is from and grew up in Providence, Rhode Island. Uh, I like Ed Cooley as a head coach. I think that he could do quite well as Hoyas head coach, but there are bigger picture issues with Georgetown basketball. And so right now, I'm pleased to welcome to the Al Galdi podcast, Bobby Bancroft 
of Casual Hoya, which is the SB Nation site for Georgetown basketball. He also covers the Hoyas for the Associated Press. Uh, Bobby is the host of the Casual Hoya podcast. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Bobby Bancroft. Hey, Bobby, how are you? Hey, it's a great day. You know, this day has been coming for a while, and um, Georgetown's got their guy. Yes, uh, Ed Cooley clearly was the Hoyas guy. Uh, are you a thumbs up or a thumbs down on Georgetown hiring Ed Cooley as head coach? After what's happened the past couple of years, Ed Cooley is a really good selection for Georgetown. Um, if you take out the world where St. John's just hired Rick Pitino, I think it's absolutely the best uh, coach they could bring in to stabilize the program. Um, I know over at Casual, we were sort of hoping that they would at least kick the tires on Patino, but I understand reasons why they probably wouldn't want to. With Rick Pitino, uh, breaking on Monday afternoon was him leaving his job as Iona's head coach to become St. John's head coach. St. John's went all in on trying to get Patino and got him. Uh, a lot of Georgetown fans wanted the school to hire Patino. To what extent was Patino on the Hoyas' radar? Interesting way to phrase that question. Um, the answer is he was on the radar of some of their bigger donors, but he was never on the radar for the athletic director as um, directed by the president, Jack DeJoya, who's been there for the last couple of Georgetown men's basketball hires. Okay. In your opinion, would Georgetown have been better off hiring Rick Pitino as head coach instead of Ed Cooley? I think after the lows that Georgetown has just reached, that it's hard to even believe when I say it out loud, you know, 13 and 50 the last two years after Patrick did find a way to win the Big East tournament. And it was looking kind of like a storybook situation a little bit there um, during that COVID year. Um, I think Rick could have raised the level the quickest of any of the potential candidates. I mean, you don't get a guy like that available. And But look, here's the reason. You know, he was available for a reason. The reason's not great. Um, he, you know, kind of served his, you know, penance, as you say, at Iona. But um, again, Georgetown never really considered that option. Of course, a big part of the appeal of Georgetown hiring Rick Pitino as head coach would have been the buzz, the juice uh, that he would have brought to the program. Can Ed Cooley bring major buzz, major juice uh, to Georgetown basketball? Again, I think not as fast, but I think Ed can absolutely do that. I think, you know, for the listeners, I think he's kind of similar into what Maryland just hired with Kevin Willard. Um, two guys, both from the Big East, uh, led schools like Seton Hall and Providence to maybe their ceiling, their max effort. And I think the idea is that Ed has done a great job. He's a really good recruiter, just like Kevin. You're seeing it in Maryland. And I think they've they, they've made very similar hires. So he's not going to bring in the pizzazz immediately like Rick Pitino would, but I think he's a really good coach. He's a really steady hire. And I think over time, it's going to work out. As you know, something that has been said a lot with Georgetown basketball for years now is that the program needs to make a break from the John Thompson era. Uh, the program from the 1972-1973 season through this season had nothing but John Thompson-related coaches. When you look at John Thompson, Craig Estrick, John Thompson III, and Patrick Ewing. Do you agree with this sentiment that the Hoyas need to get away from the John Thompson era? And if so, is Ed Cooley enough of a departure from the John Thompson era? Because Cooley is known to have had a very strong relationship with John Thompson Jr. 
Yeah, I guess it depends on what you mean by a break, and not just you, but what people mean by a break from John Thompson. I mean, I think there's a statue of him, and there's a building named after him on campus. So there's no real break to be made, but the idea of doing things as a program that worked as he built it up from basically, you know, next to nothing, um, and then, you know, basically ran the entire 80s, and it still trickled over. And then his son did a really good job there for a long time. People forget. Um, so I think breaking from a lot of the things that they do, the press conference is on Wednesday, and I think it's going to be interesting to, like, see who's there, right? Like, uh, you know, I think you can make the argument that Patrick Ewing wasn't properly supported when he came in. The counter to that would be, well, he's a grown man and he can do what he wants. But there was a lot of leftover uh, pieces to the end of JT3's time there that weren't working, and they were they were kept in place. So I think the biggest thing is going forward is um, the current chief of staff, Ronnie Thompson, uh, John's second son, his youngest son, is he going to be involved? Uh, are they still going to try and do a lot of the practices that are you know, antiquated, outdated, whatever you want to say? So yeah, for those types of things, they do need to move on into the, in, into the now. And I think Ed Cooley has been so successful at both Fairfield and Providence, it'd be hard to imagine he would be someone that would just come into a spot and say, well, I guess I'll do it the way you've been doing it. He's been really successful, and Georgetown hasn't. You would think that Ed Cooley is being empowered big time by Georgetown. We're talking about the Hoyas hiring of Ed Cooley as head coach with Bobby Bancroft of Casual Hoya and the Associated Press. You referenced antiquated practices with the Hoyas. Uh, What exactly did you mean by that? Well, as you know, we're in the portal era. A lot of these kids haven't been staying. That's one of the reasons they've they've really, really struggled. And Georgetown has always been, and I've been covering the team for, I think this is my 13th season. Uh, um, you know, teams come in. I see the other teams around here, George Mason, GW, Maryland. They kind of keep their players, you know, arm's length. They keep them away. They keep them behind. These kids are coming in now. Some high schoolers have NIL deals, right? They're thinking about their brands. They've got their own, you know, Instagram lives and, you know, just being more accessible. And I'm not going to say that that's necessarily going to, you know, translate to wins, but it's definitely all things being equal. Kids want to be on that platform immediately. And Georgetown doesn't really put them on that platform right now. And I think that's one of the weaknesses of the program. And it's, you know, it's going to be, it's a 23, 24 season. You can't wait for a freshman to speak until January. because <laughs> He might leave for the, he might leave for the NBA. You barely get to know him. And I think that's one of the things they need to make sure that everyone around town knows who their players are. And they kind of need to jam them in your face. Well, along those lines, college basketball insider John Fanta of Fox Sports, he on Monday morning tweeted that, quote, Georgetown is able to offer Ed Cooley in neighborhood of $6 million per year per source beyond money for Cooley following in footsteps of John Thompson and the resources committed slash brand of the Hoyas has been appealing End quote. Uh, As we know, so much of college basketball now is about the commitment of resources, uh, i.e. money, uh, to things like facilities and now these NIL deals, name, image, and likeness deals. Uh, Has Georgetown been lagging in the arena of NIL? So interesting. I know that you you mentioned I had a podcast earlier. Um, We did talk about this the other day. And from you know, obviously Georgetown's a private institution. A lot of things are kind of kept, you know, secret a little bit or not necessarily secret, but they just don't have to expose what's going on. It does seem like they've got a pretty good NIL program over there. But again, like I just mentioned, 
they need to get it out there. They need to make make it known. Obviously, they're not an FBS level school, but as far as the non FBS schools that have major basketball, Georgetown is still a brand, and they need to make sure that they don't fall the way of a, you know one of their current members, DePaul. Right? They're they're not at DePaul level. But this hire doesn't go well, they can inch towards that. So it's been my understanding that the NIL has not been a problem and will not be a problem. And that's probably one of the big selling points for Ed Cooley. He's not, you know, Ed Cooley didn't get to be a, this kind of a coach and make this kind of money by being, you know, naive. And he's coming to a place where he knows he's got the NIL deal behind him. With Patrick Ewing, six seasons as Hoyas head coach, just one NCAA tournament appearance, 2021, which was the result of a miracle run to win the Big East tournament. Uh, the Hoyas, over their last two seasons, a horrendous 2-39 and 39 in Big East games, regular season and postseason. Why didn't things work out for Patrick as Hoyas head coach? So one of the things right off the bat that was interesting, and maybe because he spent from 1985 to 2017 in the NBA in one form, you know, obviously Hall of Fame player, and then as an assistant, the defense was just never there. And, you know, if you're about my age, or a little bit older, or maybe even a little bit younger, when you close your eyes and think about Georgetown basketball, you think about physical, in-your-face, relentless pressing, they just could never get stops. And... When the, when the offense kind of failed and in this era where you've got fifth years, Georgetown didn't really keep any of the kids that helped them win a Big East tournament, okay? Um, all those kids had extra years of eligibility. None of the kids that had that stayed. So they became young. The offense really wasn't clicking, and they, they, they didn't defend for six straight years. And that's probably the biggest identity shift that Ed Cooley needs to bring here is the ability. And, you know, I know, you know, in the NBA – you know, listeners that watch the NBA, they know that you don't really play defense until the end. It's not like that in college. Like, look at what, you know, look at what Tony Bennett does down in Charlottesville, about two hours from the D.C. area. You know, you watch the tournament this weekend. The games are interesting, but you'll see teams win in the 60s. Georgetown could never win a game in the 50s and 60s. They had to get up to 75, 80. And that's just not a recipe for success unless you're bringing in you know, five stars consistently. So the defense just failed him the whole time. I think offensively, he did some he did some good stuff that attracted guys. They could just never keep him in school. Not that they were failing out, but keep them, you know, at Georgetown. And I think one of the problems is he's a guy that was one of the best players of all time. He played for guys like John Thompson. He played for Pat Riley. He played for Van Gundy. And I think he struggled to maybe do the politicking you need to do with keeping all these kids happy and he's like look i'm patrick ewing this is how we're doing it i'm not dealing with this you know 18 19 year old crybaby but the problem is those are the kids you need to win <laughs> uh they certainly are uh the arena situation the atmospheres for hoyas games at capital one arena are not good you know that you're at georgetown home games all of the time the lack of a viable on-campus arena really has hurt Georgetown basketball, but it sure would seem that the Hoyas are stuck at Capital One Arena. I mean, there seemingly is no room on the Georgetown campus for the Hoyas to build a great on-campus home arena. Is there a fix for the Hoyas home court problem? Well, as we know, winning is always the bigger one. You go back, I know the conference has changed, so they lost some of their bigger, you know, draws every year, like Syracuse, Pitt, Louisville, West Virginia, um, those bigger schools that left for football. Um, but that being said, you know, 10 years ago, the average, 
you know, 10,000, 11,000 fans. This year, I think they averaged less than six, which is sort of unbelievable. I think when you look at what Seton Hall does, they've got a similar situation. You you black out the top. You don't let anyone sit up high. Um, you find a way on TV. Because, look, everyone watches these games, right? They watch them on TV. They watch them on their phone. I think maybe moving the student section around so they're kind of in the sight of, of, of television. So it just at least it gives the the presence of something. I mean, I think I'm coming up with sort of pig, I'm sorry, lipstick on a pig solutions right here, but they've got to do baby steps. Uh, we have seen the CAA tournament was just in town where the Mystics play, where the Wizards have their practices. You know, you wonder at some point if that would be an option. I don't think McDonough is an option just for the, the just for the TV capabilities and all that kind of stuff. But you know, they decided to build the Thompson Center instead of an on-campus arena. Is that a decision that's gonna that they're really gonna rue for years and years and years? I don't know, but I think that's the best that they can do is to try and make alterations in the arena. But none of it matters if they can't win. If, I mean, it doesn't. If you can't win, people aren't gonna get there in this market. Can McDonough Arena be upgraded to where it would be suitable as the Hoyas' main home venue, or is that just not realistic? We've seen a couple a couple options, you know, as part of um, when this gets kind of nerdy as far as, you know, the university's plan, as far as what they want to do. There's always issues with the neighborhood seeming having a lot of veto power for whatever reason. The plan with McDonough is maybe, or the, I'm sorry, the option or the dream or the hope would be kind of shifted around and try and dig under. Uh, it just, you know, these things seem very, very difficult to navigate. There's always been talk about some plot of land across the um, across the way in Virginia that could possibly be be an issue or be be an option and a solution. But yeah, you're right. That is the biggest problem going, and it's going to be interesting to see how Ed Cooley deals with it. Because if you watch Providence play recently, or if you've seen the coverage, the Providence media has been giving this. They've been following Ed Cooley's every move like he's an NFL coach, like it's Joe Gibbs leaving to go to the Cowboys. I mean, they are hot. They are interested. And when you look at a Providence home game, they're the only thing in town, and they pack every game. Now, Ed Cooley knows what it's like to play Capital One Arena. He has to do it once every year. So it's not going to be a total surprise for him, but you got to figure that was involved in. He's about to be one of the highest paid coaches in college basketball. He doesn't really have that resume. I think he's got a lot of potential, but you figure you have to over, you know, pay when you're in this position. Final question. Uh, one of the good things about college basketball right now to me is that a bad program can get good again quickly thanks to the NCAA transfer portal and these NIL deals. Uh, we this season saw a one-season turnaround engineered by a guy who you brought up earlier, Maryland head coach Kevin Willard. Uh, is there any reason to think that Ed Cooley can't do the same for Georgetown? I think when you look at what Ed Cooley accomplished at Providence and how quick he kind of got it going then. That was back when kids had to sit. Like you mentioned, the portal, you can fix this quick. You know, already Providence has had a decommitment from their recruiting class. He's obviously has relationships. And that's one of the advantages he has over when Georgetown brought in Patrick Ewing. He wasn't in college. He wasn't already out recruiting kids. He didn't know kids that are, you know, in the portal. So I think that, you know, Kevin Willard, obviously a success. Um, when you look at what happened at Seton Hall, where Kevin Willer left, um, Shane Holloway showed up. 
and they were borderline, you know, bubble team. They ended up in the NIT. I think for Georgetown team that's won 13 games total in the past two years, you know, if next year when we get towards, you know, the beginning of March, Georgetown should be on that NIT bubble at the very least. And I think that's one of the big thoughts with him is the floor has been raised and that's what Ed Cooley does right away. And I think the portal, as you mentioned, is a big deal. All right. Bobby Bancroft of Casual Hoya, which is the SB Nation site for Georgetown basketball. He also covers the Hoyas for the Associated Press. Bobby, great to talk to you. Thank you for your time and all the best. It's always fun talking Georgetown. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Wednesday show, episode 533. We'll include a lot for you on the Commanders. Also on Wednesday show, we'll talk Capitals and Wizards. The Caps are home to the NHL worst Columbus Blue Jackets Tuesday night at 7. The Wiz are at the third worst team in the Eastern Conference, the Orlando Magic Tuesday night at 7. Uh, the Wiz, by the way, are just three and a half games ahead of the Magic. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Hoyas win! 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 Hoyas win!